listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. So this is week number three of the Healthy You sermon series. In week number one, we talked about, uh, uh, we looked at like kind of the potter and the clay, and like to be a healthy you, you have to be willing to be molded. You have to have a heart that is actually soft enough to be molded. You have to take off the layers of things that are happening to your heart and be molded by God and his purposes and his plans. And so we talked about that, that the, the premise of this whole series is that the best thing that you can do for your family, the best thing you can do for your, uh, your work, the best thing that you can do for your children, the best thing you can do for your community is provide the healthiest version of you possible. That's the premise. How do you provide the healthiest version of you uh, possible? And so when you think about that, uh, we started to to move through things. And some of these things are just things that were affecting me that I'm like, that's what I want to talk about. Maybe it's affecting somebody else. So I talked about anxiety last week. How many people uh, found a worship song and used it as an anxiety buster last week? Good for you guys. I'm really proud of you guys. You found something where you started feeling anxious and something started to attack you and you're like, let me let the Lord come in here and knock this thing out. How many people use some scripture this last week to crush some anxiety in their lives? All right. Very proud of you guys. And so part of that is a healthier version of you knows how to handle anxiety. And we talked about that 82% of us don't have like clinically diagnosed anxiety. There's 18% that, that professional help is, is necessary and good. And that God is a professional, by the way, too. And that he heals and he moves in those things. But the majority of us, we have anxiety just like they've had anxiety forever. And so this week, I wanted to talk about three, three real topics. And I believe there's a problem in these topics for, not just for today, it's probably been around for a long time. Actually, I know it's been around for a long time. But I want to talk about identity. I want to talk about calling. And I want to talk about assignment. Identity calling and assignment in order to provide the healthiest version of you possible. Do you think it's pretty important that you know who you are? You think it's pretty important that you know whose you are. Identity is defined. The fact of being who or what a person or thing is the fact of being who or what a person, or what a person or thing is. It's interesting in the Hebrew, uh, the root word literally means thisness. Thisness. I'm thisness. <laughs> Not a whole lot of clarity for me in the Hebrew. One of the um, things that I used to battle is that my identity is in my assignment. And it's important to understand the difference between your identity, your assignment, and your calling. Your assignment is, I am my work. So if you introduce yourself to somebody, often they'll tell you, you're like, hey, hi, I'm Josh. Nice to meet you. I'm Bob. Hi, Bob. What do you do? And what do they say? I'm a blah, blah, blah. I'm a child of God, saved by grace, great father, pretty bad golfer, and I, whatever you're, you're, you're do, you, do you talk that way or do you say what you do? And so a lot of times our, our identity gets mixed up in our occupation or our assignment. I'm a success or a failure. I'm what I create. I'm a father or I'm a mother. 
I'm an owner or developer of this company. My identity is, is in the failure or success of my children. Do you see where all of these traps could come in as you misplace where, who you are, what your identity is, and how that would make it? Is there any um, push for confusion on an identity in our culture right now? What are we? Who are we? What? Like, wow, who's the author of confusion? Who wants you to be very confused and not sure and not be able to identify the truth and not be able to, to move through things? Who wants that? What happens when we just keep stirring up more and more confusion and more and more questions about your identity? Confusion leads to paralyzation. And you're just paralyzed and you just, well, I'm not going to offend anybody. I'm just going to stay right here. Oh, no, you don't like me right there? I'll move over here. So understanding your identity is very important and separating it from your assignments are pretty important. Often many find their identity in their assignments. You are a son or daughter of the creator God. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you are. And even if you don't know this God yet, or you're flirting with the relationship of Christianity, or you're not fully committed, you're kind of in and you're out, you're, you're dating it, I still believe God views you as his son or his daughter. What is your identity? Is my identity as a son of God more important because I'm a pastor than the kid right now digging in a dump looking for food to take care of his sister? He is still a son of God. When everything's stripped away, all of your accolades, everything you've done, and you're at the end of your days and you're going to be looking down at your toes, what is your identity? What mattered to you? Calling. I like this thought. This was kind of a thought I looked up when I was researching about calling. Your calling can be thought of as an urge to share your gifts with the world. I would say they're God-given gifts. It's when you express your gifts for the sake of others, you often experience joy, the joy of being fully alive when you're operating in your calling. Again, the premise of this series is to, to be the best, uh, the best thing you can do for your family for your neighbor, for your kids, for people around you, is provide the best version of you possible. And the best version of you possible requires input of this. It requires this. It requires community. It's popular to have community on the internet. Community sitting, sitting at your couch. But there's some things you miss in community. And God develops the best version of us through community and through his word, and he always has. So this is not a self-help series. It's not a self-help series. This is a submitted to God series. To be created to be what God has called you to be. And to earnestly seek that for the rest of your days. So let me ask you. Who are you? Who are you? And if you don't know who you are, how can you be the best version of you? So this battle that's going on for your identity, this is, there's an attack 
on your identity daily. And you kind of allow, choose, get, choose, choose to allow how much comes in. How much of attack do you want to take today? But it becomes a tidal wave of destruction on your identity. And then we start attacking each other, and it's built into our society. The idea of enough, do you have enough? So today, for today's text that I want to uh, sit in, as I spent some time uh, going through uh, Genesis, so Genesis is in the first book of the Bible, and I was in Genesis 37 to 50, and I was looking at the story of Joseph. Now, Joseph is the son of... Go ahead, somebody can answer. Jacob. Wrong Joseph, right? You're like, Jacob. Jacob and Esau. Talk about identity and identity theft. There's a story about this guy named uh, Jacob, and he steals the identity of his brother Esau so he can get the birthright and the blessing of the family because he's so hungry for that. And so this is his son, Joseph. And so here we are in Genesis 37. And I want you to think about, as we go through this, I want you to think about identity. I want you to think about calling. And I want you to think about the assignments on the way to that calling and how it shaped his identity. Now, Israel, which is the name they said for Jacob, Israel, which is an interesting name change, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And they could not speak a kind word to him. So who's Joseph? He's the son of Jacob. He was Jacob's uh, father. He was given uh, this special coat. We don't know if it was many, of many colors or what ornate looked like back then. But everybody would have had a coat. If you were the son, your father gave you a coat. But for some reason, he got another one, a special one, a second one, and that created division in the family, favoritism. And Joseph, being a really humble guy, that's sarcasm, he was not humble, started to tell his brothers about a dream and how his brothers would serve him. And that is not how it works in that world. When you're the younger brother or the youngest brother, you... The Behor, the oldest, was going to be taking care of the family, but he's trying to take the place of the oldest, and they're going to serve him, and they don't like that. They don't like hearing that, so they do something really cool, uh, and they're angry and frustrated. They take him, and, and they end up uh, throwing him into a pit, and they take his robe and put some blood on it and take it back to it, and they sold him off as a slave, and they take it back to Dad and said, Hey, Dad. Sorry, who's your favorite now? Because he's gone. And so you see this portion of, of, of his assignment is he is a slave. Fast forwarding, Genesis 39, we take a break with uh, Tamar, Tamar, which we'll talk about her uh, coming up in a new series. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing. You're like cruising along this Joseph story. And it's, 38, chapter 38, this, and then back to 39. 39, verse 6 through 10. So uh, Potiphar, so he gets sold to, this, to, to the Mennonites, and then he gets uh, sold to this, uh, to this guy named Potiphar, and he becomes his right-hand guy and his slave in his house. And so Potiphar left everything, this is in Egypt, uh, everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. 
well, you must trust that guy a lot. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Womp, womp, womp. But he refused, good man. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So we see this assignment that he has as a slave. And so what happens to Joseph in this story is uh, she kind of traps him at some level and he tries to get out and he runs away, but she grabs his cloak and then she makes up a story. And now Joseph is falsely accused of, of, of rape. So thrown into a, a favorite son, thrown into a pit, sold as a slave, doing a good job as a slave, falsely accused rapist. And he goes, yeah, he gets sent to prison. And while he's in prison, he's pretty successful there and he's leading things in prison well. And, uh, but, but here we go. Slave, falsely accused rapist, favored son. All of these different assignments that he had. So the cupbearer and the chief baker uh, for Pharaoh get, do something wrong and they get sent down to, uh, to where Joseph is. And Joseph uh, is is going to talk to them and they have like this dream and, he's, and he goes and talks to them and he tells the chief cupbearer the good news. In three days, you are going to be back in the saddle and being the chief cupbearer, I got great news for you. And the baker's like, how about for me? In three days, you are going to be impaled and dead and it's not going to be good for you. And those, both of those things happen. And Joseph says, hey, like when you're talking, like don't forget about me. And the guy's like, sure, no problem, thanks. And he forgot about him for two years. So meanwhile, two years later, he's in prison. This is not just like, you know, we read over stories and it's like, but like two years in prison. And then Pharaoh is coming along and Pharaoh's having these uh, dreams and nobody can, nobody in all the land can tell him what these dreams are, what's going on. And then the cupbearer remembers, hey, I had a buddy friend, old pal, back in prison who could uh, help me out with this, help you out with this maybe. So then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm in uh, Genesis 41. It's a long story. It would be boring if I read 13 chapters to you. Not really, but it's not good preaching. It's a long story. But the, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning and as wise as you. Ye shall be put in charge of my palace. And all my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Well, what happened? He explains these dreams that Pharaoh was having, talking about seven years of famine and seven, uh, seven years of feasting and seven years of famine and put away a fifth of the grain. And this is, you know, there's a plan and we need somebody to, to orchestrate this plan. And obviously Joseph is like, hey, you need, probably need somebody to orchestrate this plan. I'm pretty smart. And so Pharaoh picks him. So it'd be like taking a guy from prison. What's our local prison here? Cottonwood? Let's just go with that one. Cottonwood. And he gets to be the vice president of the United States. He gets to be in charge of all of the resources of the country. He gets to tell everybody what to do and how we can prepare. That's a pretty good promotion. 
Second in command. And so we're continuing on in the story. The famines happen, all those things. His brothers come back. He recognizes his brothers, the ones that did all these things to him. And they kind of figure out eventually that it's him. And they're like, oh, no, we're in trouble. And, uh, and he's, they're wondering if he's mad at them. And we get to possibly his calling. Genesis 45, 5 says, he says, And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, talking to his brothers. It's a rough road. I wonder about the heart of Joseph, how you could be a falsely accused rapist and thrown into, thrown into prison and, and had all these difficult times in your life and somehow not be angry and bitter. And how could you handle this this way? I don't know that I could. And he says, uh, do not be angry with me for selling yourselves for selling me here because it was uh, to save the lives that God sent me ahead of you. Ah, he realized why he went through all of these things was to save these lives. So his identity is a child of God. It's interesting in my Bible, I was reading, uh, rereading it this morning and I was starting to highlight how many times it says, uh, Lord, 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 God. And just in chapter 39, and it says, the Lord was with Joseph. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. How then could I have, do such wicked thing in, again in the sight of God? So God was with him. He understood that the Lord was with him and he acknowledges that. How are we doing? What's your identity? Are you a child of God sent here to serve for him on purpose, for purpose? What do you find yourself wrapping your identity up into? A healthy you knows who your identity is. What's your, what's your calling? What is God calling you to do? What's the big thing? You know, your calling can get a little bit more clarified when you're in community and you're in his word and you're, and you're around people that can call things out that they see that God has placed into you. If we go with the idea that uh, a calling is using your gifting for the maximum purpose that God has for it, you need others to call that out in you. What assignments have you had in the past? What assignments are you really glad are behind you? I hope you see how identity and calling and assignments are working in your lives today. Identity. Psalm 139, 13 and 14, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know full well. Every morning you get up and just do that for yourself. Look in the mirror. Be like, hey, hey, Josh. For you, for you, Lord, you created me in your innermost being. Yes, you did. I'm awesome. I feel good. I feel fine. I feel this way all the time. Or is it a rushed, hurried 
be able to get out the door and get going on in your life and you're just going from assignment to assignment, assignment to assignment, assignment and thinking that you're going to accomplish God's will by doing all these assignments when you don't even know who you are. How often do you remind yourself who God said you were? Because the world's telling you that you're a mistake. You shouldn't even be here. The church would fall down if I walked into it. Church has already fallen down. That's who it's for. It's for the broken. It's where you find healing. How about some more truth for you? Galatians 4, 4 through 7. For when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of a son into your hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba father. So you are no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you're God's child, God has made you also an heir to his throne. Do you see that? Do you see that you're God's child? Do you see that you're not alone? Saw this friend of mine had this plaque and this little girl that she had been taking care of for a while. uh, Finally, she's like, today's the day. Today's the day that she gets to become my child special needs child that she had been taking care of for a couple of years. So excited to celebrate the adoption into a family where she is not alone. You're not alone. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. You are the creator's handiwork. For him to call us handiwork, when you look outside and see what he's created, and you look at the world all around you, and he calls us his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for in advance for you to do. There is someone's life that you could affect this week that's been planned since the beginning of time. As you walk out your calling, as you know your identity and you complete your assignments. And at the end of our days, we're going to get to see this path of awesomeness of the lives that you were able to affect, uh, to, to affect and, and change. But do you know who you are? Are you moldable? Do you know how to crush anxiety that tries to steal your identity? Do you understand that you have a purpose? It's not about what you do or don't do that's right or wrong, but it's about understanding who God made you to be and he'll lead you to those paths. You guys remember that scene from Top Gun? That one scene? Not that scene. (sighs) We're talking about identity. We're not talking about 1985 Kelly McGillis. You know, come on. Okay, so Pete Mitchell is getting ready to get back into the cockpit after Goose died. Say, ah, I know. Watch the canopy. Watch the canopy. I've seen the movie. And he sits in that cockpit and he's a pilot. He's a trained pilot. He's the best of the best. Top Gun. Was in line to win it all over 
Send Val Kilmer. Good looking, handsome Val Kilmer. Great volleyball player. All the girls are like, whoo! No. And he gets in the cockpit and he has, and it's that music, like, like things are weird. Like, what is this thing in front of me that I'm a master of? And he's losing his identity. And he's losing his identity because he's fighting through the loss. Do you realize that you can, you're, when you have loss happen into your life, you're going to have to fight to keep your identity? And he's trying to fight through this. And they go up and they're flying around and they're doing their fake games and stuff. Take the shot, Mav. Take the shot. You got it. You got it. And he couldn't take the shot because he was struggling with his identity. And then afterwards, he goes to hang it up and say that he's done. And he goes and talks to the head guy with the cool mustache. And the guy talks to him and says, I don't blame you for wanting to quit. I don't, he kind of gives him this pep talk, but he gives it, leaves it up to him. And sometimes our lives will go through that phase where you're going to sit in the cockpit of life and it's going to be confusing. But when you have people to go to and you have a relationship with your creator and you have a relationship with others, you can make your way back to the identity and the calling that God has for you. We need the truth. We need to care what he thinks about us. John 8, 31 through 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. We're provided with the teaching. It's right here. We're provided with friends to experience the teaching with in your groups, in your life. Then you will know the truth. Knowing the truth is really important for your identity. Knowing the truth really helps clarify the calling. It helps get rid of the confusing music in the Top Gun scene. It helps you understand whose you are. The truth is that you've been given an identity. If you have chosen to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. The truth is you've been, you have a calling on your life. Some of you may be like, what is my calling on my life? It's not, and don't get your calling confused with your job, with your assignment. It may be to invest in children in our schools or at a daycare center or in athletics. It may be a calling as an influential grandparent. The truth is God has a calling on your life, on it and in it. And you've got to look for it. You've got to care enough to look for it. And the truth is we all have multiple assignments. It's in our process to understand our calling. Sometimes they're jobs and careers or roles in our families. Sometimes it's through suffering and pain or loss. Sometimes it's through the joy. But we all have assignments throughout our lives. Jesus had an identity. So we're going to take this time and 
and prepare for communion. Uh, We get the privilege of doing this every week, but we're going to hold it this week. We're going to do something a little bit different. If you do not have communion, Ron is right there. Forrest is over there. Raise your hand. They'll get you one. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, over there, Ron. Uh, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then take the elements and hold them. Uh, if you're, if you don't know who Jesus is, I want to talk to you about it. I want to talk to you about the person who can help you understand your identity, can free you from so many things. But Jesus had an identity as the son of man. He had a calling to reach the lost, to show us how to live and love as, as he would. And he had lots of assignments. And we get to observe and see lots of these assignments that he had. But it leads us to this assignment leading to his death and resurrection with the cross. So as we get ready to take our communion, I want us to step back and just sit here and listen to what we're about to sing Be thinking about your identity, your calling, and your assignments. Lord, that is, that's the struggle. We have to choose to believe what you say about us. We have to choose to accept this mercy and this grace and this love and this compassion and all of these things that we don't feel like we deserve. But yet you say that we deserve it. And not only did you say it, but you provided the perfect sacrifice. You brought it here to earth. He completed his assignments He followed the calling and he gave us identity. Lord, we celebrate that. We celebrate the identity that you gave us through your son. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took that bread. When he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember your identity in Christ. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it. In remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I proclaim the identity that you've given us. Let us accept it and live it out. Father God, as we continue to worship, I ask you to just open the, the pathways for people to chase their identity, to understand what it is. I praise you for the number of people coming on Thursday nights that are just going through that process. They're coming here to be restored on restoration night and they're finding restoration, Lord through your people, through your plan, through your purposes. I ask you to help us to do that this week. If anybody is questioning their identity in you, 
if they're confused about a calling, if they need help with their assignments, or to help us to come together as a family, as community, and be the healthiest versions of us that we can be through you. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.